Hi guys, welcome to the latest episode of this unbelievable life. I am so fortunate today to have with me Gina Gist with Albion Fellows Bacon Center. I know that's a mouthful, um, but they are one of the wonderful nonprofits in our area. And I think that the, the service that they do for our area is just completely invaluable. So I'm going to turn it over to her and let her tell us their story. Thanks, Nikki. Um, I'm Gina Gist. I am the director of Albion Fellows Bacon Center. I've been in this director role for about a year now, but I've been at Albion for about 30 years. So I've seen many different changes in our mission and our services and everything over the years. So I started out in the outreach program. I went into the legal advocacy program, I was director of the non-residential program and now currently the executive director. So as you can see, I definitely have a passion for Albion and for our mission. Um, Albion Fellows Bacon Center actually began in the 1970s with just a volunteer group of women who um, wanted to get out and provide services for domestic violence victims. Um, over the years, our program really grew. Um, in 1981, we um, opened our first shelter. It had six bedrooms and two bathrooms, and it was a house um, that was on Grand Avenue in downtown Evansville. It um, was a two-story home, all of the, um, I just met somebody recently who had worked there back then, and she told me at the time the house was so small that the children actually used the garage to play in, and that's where a lot of the children's programming um, occurred. Um, so basically, over the years, our services really changed. In 1981, we moved into the facility that we're in now, and it was built ground up um, as a domestic violence shelter. So at that time, we had a 24-hour crisis line. We had... Um, I'm gonna say seven rooms in the shelter. Our shelter's pretty much set up like your own home. You would have a living room area, there's a kitchen area, and then bedrooms um, for the residents and a playroom. Now in the beginning, we just had our shelter services, but as the need grew, we recognized there were a lot of people out there who are in domestic violence situations who don't actually need a safe place to stay, but they still need services. So at that time, we began our outreach program to where we worked with people who um, were victims but just wanted um, individual services. We expanded our service area from just Vandenberg County to 11 counties in southwestern Indiana. So we take our services on the road. So we would meet with people, say in Princeton, I met with people in churches. Um, in Warwick County, there were times that we met with people um, in bars and bowling alleys, basically any place where that person was comfortable, we would go out and provide services to them. Um, so that was the beginning of our outreach program. Then we also um, noticed that there were a lot of sexual assault um, survivors who were contact contacting us as well. So we applied for funding and we began in the early 90s um, serving sexual assault victims as well. So what but um, what Albion Fellows Bacon Center is, is a domestic violence um, sexual assault center located here in Evansville today, um, like I mentioned, with the outreach services to 11 surrounding counties. We have our shelter, which in the beginning, it was just a woman's shelter for women and their children. But today we accept people of all genders. So we do have women, we have men, um, we have anybody that needs a safe place to stay can come into our shelter as long as they're a survivor or a victim of domestic violence or sexual assault. When a person comes into our shelter, 
we have different services available for them. We have navigators who meet with them on an individual basis. We safety plan with the person that comes into our shelter. We work with them on establishing what goals they may want to work on while they're there. It could be just learning how to remain safe. It could be finding housing for once they leave our shelter. It could be they need some, they need a protective order against their partner. So with our navigators, they are trained to help people apply for protective orders. Um, they will go to court with the individual. We're not attorneys and we don't give legal advice, but they're there to let them know what to expect. It may be letting them know, this is this type of judge's personality. This is what you can expect in this hearing. Or a lot of times people, when you watch things on TV, if you see somebody get arrested, they immediately go to court and everything's wrapped up in that one episode. Well, in reality, the legal system is very slow moving. So it's not uncommon for us to have a client who, whose partner um, may have a battery charge against them. And it may take up to a year before it actually goes to trial. So we work with that person every step of the way on helping them know what's going to happen at each hearing to let them to be um, a, to be a go between between them and the prosecutor's office um, to explain what happened in court. And again, just to let them not have to go through that process by themselves. Also with the legal advocacy, we will go to any type of divorce hearings, um, small claims court, um, child custody or chins hearings that a person may have. I believe that our legal advocacy program is one of the imp most important that we have because it's more likely that someone will follow through if they have an advocate with them guiding the way than if they're, they're stepping on this on their own. Um, some other services that we provide, um, we do support groups. We have a domestic violence support group. With COVID, um, things changed on how we held these groups. Initially, you, they used to only be in person, um, but COVID helped us think outside of the box where we now have a hybrid support group. So a person can either come in person or they can come via Zoom, which has really opened the door for a lot of clients, um, for those who may not have transportation or childcare, or with us serving 11 counties, if you live in, um, French Lake, Indiana, you may not be, you're not going to be able to come to Evansville to attend the support group, but now you can just jump on your computer and you can become a part of that group as well. The groups are so important because they allow people to see they're not the only one experiencing these issues. It helps the person feel they're not so alone. And sometimes just hearing that someone else has gone through that same thing can help empower you and hearing how others feel and that, that these are normal feelings and people giving you suggestions um, can make such a big difference. So we have that with the domestic violence, we have a sexual assault support group as well. And then we also have a choices group, which is for those people um, who are working with the, within the legal system. So if the person, um, their partner has battery charges against them and the courts automatically issue a no contact order, um, the courts will refer them to Albion and at that point, they can go through a two-session program where it's just an educational group talking to them about the dynamics of domestic violence, um, how it affects the children in the home, what are normal sen sentencing options, you know, what to expect. And then after they complete that two-session, they can go back to the judge and the judge can choose to dismiss the no-contact order. 
So this is something else that that empowers victims, but also gives them that education. A lot of times people coming through this program are very angry at first because they don't understand why they need to go to court when they were the victim and why they have to go through this class. But at that point in time, they're learning those dynamics and they're learning some safety issues that a lot of times they end up leaving glad they had to go through it. And although it's voluntary, sometimes the judges won't dismiss that no contact order if they don't. We also have one additional group, which is for those um, who have DCS cases. And again, it's, it's an educational group to where they go through a four session program, again, learning about the dynamics. And our hope with this program is to connect them with the services of Albion, because many times these are people who may not have ever heard of Albion. So it gives them that opportunity um, to find out that we're there to support them. We don't tell somebody they have to leave a relationship. We don't tell someone that they have to get a divorce. We're there to support them and provide them in services where they're at. If they wanna leave that situation, we'll help them take the steps to leave. If they want to try to make it work, we'll try to work on steps to help them be safe. We want them to know that we're there no matter what, because most times it takes anywhere from seven to 11 times before somebody leaves a relationship like this. And if we tell someone you have to leave, they're not gonna come see us again. And we know it's a process in getting out. So it's, it's something we want to be there supporting them and whatever their needs may be. We also um, do individual advocacy. So we are not attorneys, I'm sorry, we're not therapists, um, but we're doing more crisis oriented, helping them identify what's happening to them, um, helping them find resources and options. And we'll also try to get them connected with a therapist if that's something that may help them as well. Another um, service that we have in, within our facility is our crisis response program. And with this program, we have um, navigators who are available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, as well as volunteer navigators. And these people um, are usually dispatched to the hospital. So if a sexual assault victim or a domestic violence victim ends up going to the hospital, then the hospital emergency room will call us and we will have a navigator go out there who will sit with them through the medical exam who will let them know what to expect. They're, a, they're just kind of a person to hold their hand, to listen to them. They're there if law enforcement is taking a report, they're there just to provide them that emotional support. And it's just a process, it's, it's traumatic enough to be victimized. And then to have to go to a hospital, especially for a sexual assault victim and have to go through the sexual assault kit exam, which many will tell you can be just as traumatizing as the actual, um, act that occurred. So just having somebody there to make it just a little bit less intimidating. And then that same navigator will follow them through it, well, through that entire process with them. So once they leave the hospital, we will follow up with them to offer, to offer them services. And it makes it a lot easier to connect somebody with services because if you show up at the hospital or if you go to law enforcement and they give you a business card and say, call Albion tomorrow, well, tomorrow it's easy to talk yourself out of it. But if you actually had met that person one-on-one, -on -one, then it makes it so much easier to make that phone call and that connection. So we feel this is probably one of the most important programs that we have. And this is also one that we utilize volunteers on a, on a regular basis as well. So if anybody out there is wanting to volunteer and give back, this is something that we definitely are looking for. 
Um, a couple other programs, we do have two 24-hour crisis lines. Um, we have a prevention program that goes into the schools to talk about um, safe dates. Because most of the clients that we've worked with over the years will tell you, tell you many times it first started when they first started dating. And if you think about it, where do you learn how to date? You know, it's what you see at home. It's what you see on television. There's not any class on healthy dating. So we go in and we talk to them about safe dates on what are red flags in dating? What are healthy relationships? Um, it's a uh, multi-session curriculum and it's something that we do on a regular basis. Then we also go into university classes, church groups, civic organizations. If there's anyone out there who would like a speaker to come out and talk about domestic violence, dating violence, human trafficking, all they have to do is give us a call and we'll be happy to come out there. Um, all of our services that we provide are free of charge. Um, they are confidential. Person can meet in person, they can meet virtually with us, whatever they feel is um, most comfortable for them is the way that we'll, we'll meet with them. Um, Albion has many different needs. Probably the one you can think about as the most is going to be financial assistance. Most of our, our, the majority of our funding comes from state and federal grants, which may fluctuate over the years. Um, so somebody that would want to be an umbrella advocate, which is a recurring donation where they donate to us on a monthly basis. Um, Anybody that would like to set up and do some type of fundraiser is definitely a need that we have. We also um, are always in need of volunteers. If you go on our website, you can also see a list of items that we need. We have also started a meal train Monday to our different groups and families come out and they bring a meal for our residents, which is really nice for them to have a home cooked meal. Because if you think about it, if you've been in a situation where you've been abused, and then all of a sudden you have to just leave your house maybe in the middle of the night with your kids and just the clothes that you're wearing. And you have to come into a shelter where you're living with people from all walks of life. Everybody's dealing with their trauma differently. Everybody's coming from different homes. Um, so just how they deal with things are difficult. It's hard to live in a shelter. You know, nobody wants to have to live in a shelter. Um, so just having somebody do that home cooked meal for them. Because a lot of times when somebody first comes in, it's hard to do anything. You're just trying to get to a safe place, try to get yourself together. So providing that type of support is, is so important. We also welcome people to come in and do different programs with the people in our shelter and our non-residential clients as well. We've had people, um, a couple of Mary Kay people come in and do makeovers and facials on a pretty regular basis. Um, we've had hairdressers come in and do haircuts. Um, we've had somebody come in and do yoga. So if you have a special talent that you would like to share, we would love to hear from you to see if it's something that we may be able to incorporate into our program. And as I mentioned, also, there's always needs um, volunteers um, to help with our crisis line, to help with our crisis response program. We have volunteer groups um, and need to come in, just do deep cleaning in our playroom for the children. We um, detailing our van, um, our safe dates program does a pre and a post test, just people coming in and do tests, grading tests for us. Unfortunately, um, 
there's such a need for our services that some of those types of things, it's real difficult for us to be able to keep up with and do on our own. So that's where we really try to utilize other people to come in and help with some of those things. As far as how many people we serve and, and what is the problem of domestic violence? They say about one out of every four women and one out of every nine men experience abuse at some point in their lives. If you think about that, everybody listening knows somebody who's been a victim or a survivor of domestic violence. You may not initially be aware of it because that person may not come forward and just tell you, but there are signs that you can look for. If you notice somebody you know, wearing dark, makeup to cover up black eyes or maybe sunglasses indoors all the time or somebody who has fingertip bruising on their arms or someone that may wear scarves or turtlenecks uh, maybe covering up strangulation marks if you notice that their dress just doesn't quite go along with the season um, that could be a possible red flag that this person's in a domestic violence situation if you notice I'm somebody who was very outgoing and took part in activities and had a lot of friends. And now that they're involved with this individual, they're very withdrawn and they never do anything unless they're with this person. And, and you notice they tend to look at that person before they answer questions or say anything. That could be a sign that someone's in a domestic violence situation. If you recognize some of these things, or if you notice this person if you're suspecting that something's happened, the best thing that you can do is approach them in private and tell them that, that you're concerned for them, that you're, you know, that you've noticed these bruises or you've, you know, you're just really worried um, and tell them about Albion. Let them know that there are free services available for them and believe what they're telling you. Because it's real easy, because you may know about the victim and the perpetrator, and it's real easy to think there's no way that individual would do it. But most of the time when somebody finally gets the strength to tell you about it, a lot of times they don't really tell you everything that's happening because in order for them to survive, they almost have to um, make it seem not quite as bad. I worked with a girl years ago um, who was a high school student and she told me that she wasn't really abused because her boyfriend had never given her a black eye. And when I went through a checklist with her, I found out that he had um, tried to smother her with a pillow. He had slammed her fingers in lockers and he had pushed her down a flight of stairs. But in her mind, it wasn't abuse because she never had a black eye. And in order a lot of times for people to survive this, that's what they have to do is they have to make it seem not quite as bad. So when they're sharing something to, for, to sharing something with you, just assume that there's a good chance it's probably a little bit worse than what they're sharing with you. And also keep in mind that domestic violence isn't just physical abuse. It's also emotional abuse, name calling, put downs, um, criticizing someone, isolating them from family and friends. And for most people that you'll talk to, the emotional abuse is so much more damaging than the physical abuse because with the physical abuse, you see the black eyes, you see the bruises, but with the emotional abuse, people can't see it. But the damage it does is a lot worse. The emotional abuse can lead to substance abuse for a victim. It can lead to health problems. It can lead to mental health issues. It can lead to suicidal thoughts. So it's something that 
the emotional abuse is just as damaging, if not more than the physical abuse. And that's when we really try to talk to people when we go out and do presentations that that's, those are the beginning signs and it continues to get worse. And I will chime in too. And, and I know you're aware of this as well. And people need to be aware that there's financial abuse too. Yes. That, that, that people will control their loved one's money. And that can be very harmful in a relationship as well. And if someone mm -hmm. doesn't feel like they can leave, that's a scary thing. And I, I think that was brought to my awareness when I first read about the Purple Purse. I think it was called the Purple mm -hmm. Purse Project. Yes. And I, and I started doing some research at that point. And, and that, that is something that, that people need to be aware of as well, that there is financial abuse too. There isn't that financial abuse is a lot of what keeps a person in a situation like this. Because if you're afraid, how am I going to support myself? How am I going to have a home for my children? Or my partner's going to go to court and say, I'm homeless. Um, and he or she is, is going to end up and get custody. That can make it real. That's just, that's very frightening. Um, and the financial abuse can be done in so many different ways. I mean, it could be, I've had people before where the, the victim was the breadwinner, but he or she had to turn all the money over to their partner or people who had no idea how much money they had or how much debt they were in. I can think of another person I worked with once who um, every time she would get a job that she was comfortable with, that she liked, that was helping her financially, her partner would do things to sabotage it, such as call her 15 or 20 times a day and she had to answer the phone or she would be in trouble and she would get in trouble for taking personal phone calls. And another one that she worked in a public place where um, right before she um, would have to be at work or he'd give her a black eye. So she would have to call in sick or the person I can think of many times when a person right before they're getting ready to leave for work, their partner says, oh, I can't watch the kids today and takes off. So then they have no child care and can't make it to work, which sabotages that job. And many times when you throw in the emotional abuse and and the control, a lot of times you'll get the victim thinking, well, I'm just so stupid. I can't hold a job down. You know, it's, it's my fault. You know, my partner keeps telling me, how are you ever going to leave me and take care of yourself? Because you can't financially take care of yourself. But when we would look, when we would sit down and talk about it, it wasn't that that person couldn't work or couldn't hold down a job. It was because of everything their partner was doing to them that was sabotaging it. Um, one of the things with, with victims and survivors of domestic violence, they have so much strength. Many times they don't realize it. Um, but people who are abusive try to control all aspects of their lives, whether it's who they can be friends with, how they can dress, if they're able to have a job. When somebody is controlling every aspect of your life, many times it seems difficult to leave that person because you feel like you can't do anything on your own when that's how they're trying to set you up. But again, when the person has that opportunity to talk with someone, they can see that they're a survivor, most definitely. And there are so many reasons why someone stays in situations like these. I have never met anybody in the 30 years that I've been at Albion that enjoyed being abused or wanted this to happen. That is not why somebody stays in a situation like this. And people stay. I've worked with clients who have stayed for a month up to 80 years before they've left this situation. You know, domestic violence is something that happens to people of all ages, all races, all genders, all economic groups. Um, anybody can be a victim of domestic violence. And some of the reasons that 
that people find it difficult to leave is, you know, we talked about the financial aspect of it. You know, the other thing may be children, you know, maybe they grew up in a home where they're, where they didn't have two parents in their family and they wanted to make sure that their children always had two parents when it may be healthier to have one parent than to have two in a situation like this. Um, some other reasons people stay is, is that fear, you know, that fear of the unknown. What's going to happen if I leave this person? The most dangerous time for a, for a victim of domestic violence is after they've left the relationship. You don't usually hear about things in the media about somebody um, being murdered while the couple are still together. It's usually after the one has left and that abusive person has lost control. So I've had many clients over the years say, at least I know what type of mood that person's in. I know where they're at and what they're doing. Then if I have to worry about in the middle of the night, this person's going to show up at my house or they're going to show up at my work and harm me and my children or my family. Um, another thing that keeps people in the situation sometimes is just um, the fear of what's going to happen again. They're afraid they're going to be alone. You know, abusers are so good at manipulating someone and saying you're, you're worthless, you're fat, you're ugly. You know, no one else would want you if you're not with me. So you're going to be alone the rest of your life. And it can be, that can be frightening to be afraid that you're going to be alone because this person's had you under such control that you, your identity has been chipped away over the amount of time you've been with that person that you don't really know who you are anymore. You know, you've had to mold yourself into whatever your partner wants you to do. So the thought of being alone and starting all over again can be extremely frightening. Um, you know, some other reasons people may stay are religious beliefs. Maybe it's against their religion to get a divorce. Or unfortunately, there are some people in the clergy who will, who've told our clients over the years, you just need to pray harder and the abuse will stop. Or there must be something that you're doing wrong. If somebody who's involved with your church that, that you trust is telling you these things, you're going to think you can't leave a situation like this. Um, abusers many times also will use scripture in the Bible as, and they'll manipulate it and twist it to where it seems like you're supposed to stay no matter what, when that's not the reality of it. So it's real important if, if it's religious beliefs is again, reaching out to us and we can connect you with some other clergy people who, who view things a little bit differently. Um, other reasons that people can stay and um, may stay, um, let's see, we mentioned children, um, sometimes they don't even recognize that they're being abused. Um, because if this is something that you grew up with and this was normal for, you know, you grew up watching your parents cuss each other out, hit each other, do different things. It's real easy for you to think that's normal and you don't think any differently or it's not as bad as it used to be. So there are, we could go on for hours on why someone stays. I just want everybody out there to know no one stays because they like being abused because nobody wants to be abused and nobody wants to be in a situation like this. If um, you know somebody who's experiencing abuse or if this is happening to you, the first thing that, you, that I really encourage you to do is to reach out to someone. Um, as I mentioned before, we have two 24-hour crisis lines. Um, our, our one nine, number 812-422-5622. You can call, you can remain anonymous if you're not comfortable giving your name. We also, once you call, if you're not comfortable calling, um, 
we have text numbers where you can actually text if you would prefer to text rather than actually speaking with someone. But the person that's going to answer the phone is is not going to isn't going to be non-judgmental. They're there to listen to you. They're there to support you, and they're there to talk about the different options that you have. Then, if you would like to meet with someone, we can meet with you individually. We can meet at our agency. We're located in downtown Evansville. We can meet with you um, in your community. We can meet with you any safe place other than your home. Um, we also have the support groups. So if you would like to get involved in the domestic violence or the sexual assault support group, all you have to do is give us a call and we can get you connected um, to the support group leader. We have the legal advocacy. So if you need assistance with going to court or if you just want to know what your legal options are, you know, we're available to help you with that as well. Um, same thing with medical advocacy. If you've been assaulted and you need to go to the hospital or if you need to go to your doctor, we can go with you for that too and accompany you there. And we also have had a lot of employers who will actually allow us to meet with someone at work um, in, a, in a confidential place there. Because a lot of domestic violence victims aren't allowed to leave the home and just go somewhere. They may be tracked or tabs keeping on them for where they're at. So we'll try to meet with you to where it's, it's going to be the safest for you. Um, and then also, as I mentioned before, everything is free of charge. Everything is confidential. And I just really encourage you to seek help, seek out um, help if this is happening to you. And if it's, if you're a friend and you know someone, just feel free to give us a call and we can walk you through how you can help somebody in a situation like this. I think, I think the most important thing to remember is that, again, this could happen to anybody. And those statistics mm -hmm. that you shared everybody probably knows somebody that is going through this. So I want people to keep an open mind and an open heart and to keep your ears out just in case so that you can be the friend that helps them. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, if you guys can help them financially, um, you know, Albion, you know, the, the center, if you can help them financially, if you can volunteer, if you can set up a fundraiser, by all means, I would encourage everybody to do that. Um, but if you need help, please reach out, um, you know, whether you're reaching out to a friend or you're reaching out to the center directly, um, they're there and our community and our area is so blessed to have this center there. So, Gina, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of this wonderful information. I think that you guys are are a hidden gem. And, and I learned about you guys when I was in my junior league year. So I've known about you for years. So I, I really want anybody that has not heard of you guys to, to learn about you. And I wanted to really spread the word. So um, thank you for sharing about your organization, your unbelievable life. Thank you for your years of service. Oh my goodness. I'm so proud of you and the work that you've done in our community. Um, and if anybody has any questions, feel free to reach out to me, reach out to them directly. But again, don't be afraid to reach out. They're there to help. Um, thank you guys for listening for today's episode. And, um, you know, we'll be back with more. Appreciate it. Enjoy. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye-bye.